0: As the 21st century automotive world evolves and new electric vehicle technologies are introduced, new leaders will emerge
1: on the landscape. The EV Power Podcast by RPM News takes you behind the headlines as your guide to this new generation of sustainable transportation. Welcome to the EV Power Podcast from RPM News Weekly. My name is Peter Ciani and with me as always is Rich Tabor. Rich, how's things?
0: Pretty good. It's been a busy week in the EV world
1: yeah, it's uh, a lot to catch up on. Uh, you know we've got the the proposed Biden tax plan, uh, which is not really a, a you know a, a in motion plan as we were talking about earlier. Uh, we'll get into that. and also th- some news on the Chevy Silverado, and of course the its cousin the the Hummer E v. Mm-hmm. And um, we're also going to maybe talk about lucid Motors. They're beginning their expansion into New York City, which makes sense. You know, right. they're probably gonna do really well in New York. And I think we'll wrap it up talking about Formula E, and we got a little bit of not only news about the schedule, but about uh, Nissan making a commitment to Formula E. That's so, right. Uh, so I guess we'll get things underway. Uh, you know, as I as I mentioned, uh, you know, Joe Biden. Now that he's kind of hitting his stride in office, he he released a a a fact sheet it's called the American Jobs Plan uh and it's it's just sort of a i don't know if i would call it a wish list but sort of an early draft of what they're planning uh to introduce or what they you know kind of what laws they want to uh start establish they want to start establishing obviously American jobs if you know can tell by the name but uh so it's an early plan it's it's um i think they just released it on March 31st so the other day they were uh, it's pretty long-winded. If you go to the White House website, you can actually check it out, and we'll we'll post the link in the show notes um, to this because I'm not going to read you this whole thing. You'd be gone within like three minutes,
0: right? But you know, it's it's a forward-thinking plan. Uh, lots of money is involved, of course, and and uh, uh, Congress will have an opportunity to scrutinize that, and uh, it will move us forward. Uh, you know, we we're on the cusp of of uh, this changeover from a carbon-based transportation system to something that is electric, uh, more sustainable. And I think this is a good step forward uh, when we take a look at it.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's an article by GreenBiz.com and they sort of they sort of extract out the the key points as, as far as this relates to transportation. I mean, there's a lot to the whole whole plan, obviously, um, with infrastructure and, and and improvements across the board to you know not just uh, EV cars but transportation in general. Right. Uh, so so they, they you know they, they they put together a nice little uh, sort of a bullet point list of of some of the important the most important things, and, and right at the top of the list is is EV chargers. Uh, and that is right.
0: important. Well, you know, uh, maybe even before we get to that, Peter, uh, we may want to just mention that the proposal itself is a $174 billion proposal to specifically boost electric vehicles. And it includes $100 billion in new consumer rebates. And that's probably going to be a very big item and a very attractive item for a lot of potential uh, new car buyers.
1: Right, and they they call it point-of-sale rebates, which is interesting because, you know, the last tax, it wasn't what you'd call a point-of-sale rebate. It was more like you had to file your taxes and, and you got the the uh, tax incentive that way. So I don't know if they're planning on doing like a dual setup.
0: Right. Well, I didn't want, I didn't mean to take you off your mark there. You know, like uh, if we want to go through some of this list put together on GreenBiz, because I mean, you do want to start with the money where, you know, follow the money. And and the yeah. se- second thing is, is that uh, all of the electric cars will be of no value unless they have a way to get charged. So right. that's, you know, the idea of boosting charges. And I think it's uh, the, the goal is uh, to... Have uh, five hundred thousand charges uh, built out across the, the entire United States by twenty thirty, so that's a substantial commitment if we can get to that point, and I think it makes a lot of sense uh, to be able to have that many charge points available. Uh, you yeah. know, but you know, just the whole theory of of of, of you know the different uh, ways of looking at uh, charging vehicles. And, uh, you know, some of the things that uh, some of it is pushback, but some of it being, you know, just legitimate concerns that people have uh, for the you know, from where they live. You know, if you live in a a very densely populated city where parking on your streets are a very very difficult thing to do, uh, you know, there's some issues about, you know, well, am I going to be able to charge at home? And, uh, and some of that's predicated on the idea that you're going to need to charge at home. Uh, we don't have gasoline tanks in our backyard, most of us anyway, uh, you know, so we don't fill up our car at home. So the idea of having more available charging stations, and of course, also going hand in hand with cars that will charge up faster, uh, makes it, you know, a much more palatable way to go for the consumer who's concerned that, you know, this is too much of a change of a lifestyle, you know.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, chargers are obviously like a big thing and, and, I, and I kind of hope, and I, I don't see that listed anywhere, but I, I was kind of hoping that, that they would include either rebates or grants or, you know, something to encourage homeowners to install chargers in their own home. Because if I was going to buy an electric car, you're talking about, you know, maybe 40 grand depending on the model. And then you've got to spend money on the, on putting in a level two charger because you, you know plugging in at night is it just doesn't work for it's not going to work for everybody if you if somebody buys a, a you know a maki and then tries to run it on just 120 voltage i mean it's great that you can but uh, they're probably going to sell the car within a week because it's it's you know it's hard to own an electric car that you can't charge up either overnight to a certain degree uh as a matter of fact that when i had when i was driving the maki i had the maki a couple a uh, couple months ago and it was at the most, I think it was the, the coldest time of the year to get that car. It was just absolutely frigid. And there was really nowhere up in my neighborhood to, to charge it. You know, The closest charging station was about 40 minutes away, and, and it wasn't all that quick of a charger. So if I was driving down to, from New Hampshire to Mass, I would have had to make sure it's charged before I leave the house and charge in Lowell, Mass, which is a, which is a free charger. Uh, from charge point which is great it's paid for by the town or I think the, the maybe the supermarket where it's at but it's always busy because it's free and there's only one <laughs> well let me
0: let me let me rephrase the whole argument okay in this sense I uh, am following up on uh, a little bit of what Peter Rawlinson had to say in a quick little video that uh, he had put together as he traveled with the lucid air through New York City and I know we'll get to lucid more later in the in the this program but the point is okay if you've got a car that can be charged up and deliver 500 miles of range think about this for a second what's the average number of miles that a consumer is driving in a month maybe you know A thousand miles, you know, because when when you have cars that are on lease, for example, you know, you've got a a a lease point that's like, well, you can't drive more than twelve hundred miles or fifteen hundred miles a month, and you have to budget your sort of your your driving. But people still go ahead with leases. So if you've got five hundred miles, let's call that you've got about a half a month's worth of charge in your car. So even if you don't have a charge station at your house you're gonna go two to three weeks without even thinking about having to charge the car. So, you know, that that to me is like kind of puts that into a different perspective. It changes the the way in which people are looking at that. Obviously when people travel, that's a whole different thing. But you know, it's not a large a large portion of the public that is traveling every day, you know, three or four hundred miles. Uh, and even if you're a, a heavy commuter, which I'll call anything over like uh, hundred twenty miles a day in your commute, is a, sort of getting into that heavy range of commuting, uh, which I did myself. I had uh, a round trip of about hundred sixty miles every day for a number of years. So that's the, I think that's part of the the, the question. You, you know, you really have to look at that. I think I would benefit from having a, a charger here in in the backyard here attached to the garage. But there are a lot of folks uh, that live in the city. Let's say they live in apartment building, they live in tenements uh, where getting a charging station is not that feasible. So if we focus too much on that idea of the personal charging station, I think we're kind of really missing a bigger picture here.
1: Well, yeah, I I agree with you. I, I agree with your point, but you know, for somebody like me where, you know, the nearest store is 15 miles to a big store or maybe even 20 miles, you know, and if I want to go to any sort of populated area, it's 30 miles, you know, and, and then weather. I mean, weather's a big, you know, a big factor. And Like I said, I had the Maquis. Uh, it was like averaging, what, five degrees, I think, when I had it. So weather affects even you know, even charging it, you know, the weather affects the operation of the car it affects the the optimal range. I wasn't getting more than two hundred miles out of range at a full charge, you know. And and so it is definitely a case by case thing. And I understand what you're saying. You know, it, it, um, if you live in a, in a in an area where you're close to chargers or or that they'll, the, those areas that you can have a lot of charges up here, you know, the only people who have a charging system who have charging systems up here is Tesla. I, I can't, you know, it. it people knock tesla for all the you know whatever but you know there's three tesla chargers in in my area that I could go to
0: well consider this if the plan is for 500,000 new electric vehicle charging stations and just looking at the idea that there are 50 states uh, in the United States that's 10,000 new charging stations per state now, obviously, some of it will be more concentrated in more heavily populated states, but that's and that's an indication of the size of this of this proposal. That's a pretty good amount of, of charging stations. Uh, if they're referring to like just a locale, you know, uh, you know, or if they're referring to you know, if there's five charging stations here that counts for if just five charging ports. Is that count for five of those five hundred thousand, or is that one charging station that has five ports? Some will have ten, some will have two, some will have whatever is needed, you know, based on the population density uh, and other factors.
1: Well, the wording says five hundred chargers. It says Biden is Biden has been calling for a goal of five hundred thousand chargers built out across the United States. So I assume I take that to mean plugs, you know. 500,000 plugs. Right. Which well, is still we, a lot. I mean, that's not... Uh, yeah, nothing to yeah sure. That's
0: still a lot. But, you know, and then i looking at another document that was supposed to come from uh, a congressional staff email that uh, uh, came out of the Transportation Department. Uh, it says charging stations. So there's a little bit of, of uh, ambiguity in the, in the way we use that language, you know, when we say charging. I think we went across this, too, where I, I seem to detect one time uh, where... Uh, there was a a faulty comparison being made between chargers and in gas stations, you know, and gas pumps, you know, where some of the gas stations being counted as one. And it was like, well, yeah, but there's 12 pumps there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, we we have to make sure we're we're looking at that in in the right way.
1: Right. And and the wording in the, in the document on the white house website also kind of mirrors what that article says. It, It does say, uh, Build a national network of 500,000 EV chargers by 2030.
0: I, I kind of want to transition at that point then, uh, w- but make one more comment about the, this plan, and that's that they're extending uh, the rebate program, and that's going to be a real key, I think, to not only for the uh, automakers, because automakers like General Motors, uh, uh, they were out of luck as far as like, enticing customers w- with the rebate because they're, they're bolt. And not to mention the Volt, which is long gone now, but the Bolt with a B, uh, they're they're no longer able to get rebates. Customers aren't able to get rebates because they sold more than the initial 200,000 zero emission vehicles that were part of the first rebate program. So that's going to change. And so that's good. And and, and I'll just kind of roll that into, as we're speaking about General Motors here in this moment, uh, that uh, they had a big announcement uh, this week about uh, a, a, a truck. And we've heard a lot about trucks. We've talked about Rivian. We've talked about trucks, uh, you know, uh, the truck market itself uh, as, you know, as an EV market. Uh, so this is, uh, you know, a pretty big news. Uh, it falls on the heels of a lot of other things about going electric that's come out of GM. Uh, but uh, they're talking about this Silverado battery electric vehicle, And uh, it's not going to be coming out tomorrow, uh, but uh, it sort of follows on the heels of their statements about uh, being able to deliver more than a million electric vehicles around the globe by 2025. That's uh, that's what GM has has been uh, putting out as their goal. That's a forward thinking goal. I mean, and they even put a little asterisk. You know, some of their statements are forward thinking. So just to know that, just to know that they they've got a back door if they don't get there by 2025.
1: Well, yeah, and a lot of these automakers, you know, tend to say, "Oh, one million by 2020," and then that comes along, and it's one million. uh, Volkswagen is notorious for that. You know, they've been doing that since. I, I want to say like 2014 you know mm-hmm. they oh yeah five years from now we want to be all EV, you know mostly EV and then you know it, so I, I, I'm i very skeptical when I when I read those those yeah those sorts of things
0: well yeah some of it is spin and I think some of it is the best intentions you know uh, and things come in the way you know this last year of pandemic has gotten in the way of a lot of people and including we mentioned earlier Lucid they had to kind of push things forward a little bit, uh, although uh, they're due to have theirs come out by the end of, actually deliver to customers by the end of uh, the later part of this year. Uh, we'll get we'll to get that, that part uh, uh, a little bit later. But let's talk a little bit about this Silverado uh, electric pickup truck that they're talking about. Uh, uh, it's uh, going to be built in the United States, up in Detroit, and uh, and also they've got a factory in Hamtrak, Michigan. Uh, They're calling this Factory Zero. And uh, the Factory Zero is basically because this will be, uh, I think there's three key points there, zero emissions, zero crashes, and zero congestion. Uh, That's a pretty big statement, uh, you know. That's if that's their strategy. I mean, one could understand easily the zero emissions part of it, but the zero crashes really implies that they're going to have some pretty sophisticated electronics on board uh, that will prevent crashes. Uh, you know, I'm 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 thinking about how well, you know, a lot of preventing crashes has to do with what the other guys doing. You know. Uh, uh, but ultimately, if if vehicles across the the spectrum have systems that prevent crashes, then I think we will begin to see uh, fewer crashes if we, if we haven't already. And uh, so that's pretty good. So that's that's a that's a plus. They're calling it factory zero. So that's another. Uh, uh, it's a big forward thinking idea. Uh, zero emissions, zero crashes, zero congestion. So uh, there's more technology there to bring congestion down to zero. But nevertheless, uh, that's going to be built there. And uh, one of the things that's kind of interesting is is that they're claiming that they've reduced the development times by nearly 50% down to 26 months. So if we look forward here, even if they started right now, which they have obviously had this Silverado in the works for some period of time, uh, 26 months, you know, would come down to two years. So a little bit a little bit over two years. Let's say that they're talking sometime between now and twenty twenty three, uh, for the Silverado. I, I didn't see anything more concrete in their in their statement on this.
1: I, I imagine they're gonna get the Hummer pickup rolling first and that's gonna they're probably gonna let that go for a year or so before they add the Silverado. I mean even the, the Hummer SUV that they've they've talked about isn't going to be on the road till 2024 well the 2024 model year right Uh, so i i still think you know for gm for any legacy manufacturer but especially for like gm and ford where they are i think that there's a lot of risk for them and i can imagine that there's a lot of internal conversations going on about this you know do you want to risk your silverado name on something that could be a a bomb not not a bomb like exploding bomb like but sales wise could be a dud you know uh it, it's a lot of risk for them, I think it, it, um, I mean, they've tried a Silverado hybrid before and, and it, that was a, you know, that was a dud that didn't, it didn't sell well. It, it, it started at almost 20 grand more than the regular Silverado. I think that was back in 2012. Uh, so that had a base MSRP of around 42,000 and, and the MPG, you got, you got like two miles per gallon on the highway more <laughs> over a, a equally equipped, you know, V8 Silverado. That's,
0: and that was what was pretty silly about that whole adventure that they right. had with that car our uh, vehicle. Uh, but, you know, this is a little bit different. I think that they're really going full steam ahead, uh, That's at least from the sounds of it.
1: But I do think they're going to want to make sure that, that the Hummer works and and uh there's no like snags and that driveline works before they put it in their highest volume vehicle matter of fact top 3 highest volume vehicle in the in the United States is the Silverado i think that's number 2 right now might even be number 1 i think they they took the first spot so you know there's a lot of risk there for them you know it's it's um
0: yeah, you know, and, and when you mentioned since you mentioned the Hummer, that's the, the Hummer. is like a a complete reversal of personality in what they're you know attempting to at least or uh, concept. You know, personality maybe not. It's still going to be a big beastly sort of a car, uh, a vehicle. But uh, you know, in the idea that they went from what was considered probably the most gas guzzling vehicle that consumers could buy. Uh, and it had a really bad reputation. They're going to have to do some real heavy spinning for people to that may have just written off the Hummer as just being a, a, an unnecessary kind of a vehicle. To uh, and even for those people who absolutely loved the Hummer because of all of that, uh, you know, of its of its excesses, uh, you know, to come in with an electric vehicle, and that's and the Hummer will only be electric, so. Uh, yeah, it'd be an interesting sort of test pad for them, uh, and you know that's that's actually going to be in production. the The, the Hummer pickup truck uh, is supposed to begin production later this year.
1: Uh, yeah, it's uh, supposed to start soon. Yeah, not soon, but relatively soon. You know, if all goes well. Although the chip shortage that's going on is is shutting down the regular truck lines as we speak you know so depends on how how they navigate through that if that's going to push things back
0: right you know what's surprising about that you know with chip shortages uh gm has kind of prided itself on going vertical on a lot of things and and including this whole uh foray into the electric arena uh, you know, they developed this Altium drive, uh, and it's theirs, you know, to, uh, you know, they you know, banking on their expertise in, in powertrains, uh, which is, you know, really indisputable. Uh, you know, they're, they're looking to, you know, to, they've created this whole new drive, looking to have that be the, the centerpiece of all of this, the transition over to electric vehicles. And, uh, I mean, it's a, 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 on paper. It's a great, great-looking piece of equipment. Uh, it's uh, you know more responsive uh, than uh, the comparable in, internal combustion e- engine, and, and actually delivers more torque. And you can control that torque, for, you know, allowing better performance. Um, and we've talked before about the Ultium Drive. It's really based on uh, three different motors. And five different drive units, which in, incorporate all of that power, uh, or the powertrain aspect of the. Uh, and, and, uh, and that in itself is a, 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 an amazing feat because what they've done is they've been able to combine both the, the, uh, the motor and transmission into uh, these singular type units that will uh, reduce a lot of weight in the vehicle, uh, hence giving them more range. Uh, and and there's other advantages too and and the batteries uh, there too they've developed their own battery system it's a wireless battery system and uh, and 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 the three motors they have will afford them the opportunity to do front wheel rear wheel drive or all wheel drive Uh, one of the motors is is strictly a dedicated front wheel drive motor Uh, uh, one of the other ones is uh, both front, it can be used either as front wheel or rear wheel drive, and then they have a third motor, which would be an assist motor for like an all wheel drive setup. But all of this stuff is supposed to be interchangeable, so that they can move quickly uh, going from one vehicle to another uh, in, in their development of this uh, and transition their whole line of vehicles over. So, uh, I mean, it looks like uh, uh, you know they're making efforts to do something important here. And uh, certainly some of this technology, uh, I, I'm imagining they're going to eventually share some of this with some other manufacturers who maybe aren't quite as capable of going vertical as GM is.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, I can see that. I mean, you know, GM's involved in a lot of manufacturers and has a lot of partnerships. I it makes sense. Yeah. I, I am curious, though, as to, you know, like why they didn't launch the Hummer, relaunch the Hummer as a brand. You know, that makes you wonder about about confidence in it you know did they did they think that they had to put it under the, G- the gmc banner uh, to, to to sell it or or they just didn't want to invest in opening new storefronts for a, a you know what is kind of a gamble for them you know mm-hmm. it would have been it would have, i think it would have been more interesting to make hummer uh, hummer as its own brand uh, again you know sort of a standalone brand but then because, in a way, they're sort of it's going to compete in house to the Silverado and the and the Sierra, and then uh, in some ways. But I, I don't think that's going to be like the true competition. You know, the Hummer is still a lifestyles truck uh, in, in the same way that the Rivian is still a lifestyle truck. Is is even though it's a little bit more conventional of a pickup than say the Hummer, and, and definitely the you know the Tesla Cyber Truck. I, I think the real like battle is going to be the F-150 EV versus this the Silverado EV. That'll be an interesting battle to watch. And, and the, you know, the F-150 is rumored to be coming out by the end of the year as well. So uh, that'll be an interesting fight, you know, to see if, if there's a market enough, let alone for a, a, a true electric pe- tr- pickup truck, but two, you know. Uh, <laughs> people, will, people will buy the Rivian. They'll buy the Cybertruck because it's, it's so weird. And then, you know, the Hummer, but for the same reason, people bought the original Hummer uh but i i'm interested to see the the real commercial vehicle battle with evs and 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 with and and it also leads to like say the transit van you know ford their their they release specs on the e-transit which is coming out this year and and even sort of it ties into a little bit just to back up a, a few seconds you know going back to the biden plan you know there the a big part of that plan is to electrify transit as well as school buses so you know there's another market
0: well you know and You know, we've talked a little bit before about uh, uh, GM's factories and and uh, and a little bit about uh, you know the whole labor equation uh, and uh, you know uh, the build America by in America by by America. Um, I think that that's kind of like part of this. I I, you really get the sense that what's going on is 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 that uh, there's some clear efforts to. Begin to look at the way we manufacture and what we manufacture and how much of it we do here in the United States, uh, and to make some headway on that. Uh, you know, we, everyone has said we've been losing ground, um, and uh, in many ways we have in certain markets anyway, or at least are certain commodities. To, uh, on the other hand, we've had some leadership in, in, in other arenas. You know, so. I mean, there's a little bit of give and take uh, uh, in manufacturing in that sense as well. But, you know, this is I think there's a real tie in. You know, we, we talked about uh, Lordstown, uh, you know, and that was a former GM factory, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and, uh, you know, so GM may not be using it. But, you know, there's, there's a little bit of, I think, cross pollination going on with some of the, uh, the smaller companies Uh, the startup companies and and, uh, companies like GM, Uh, maybe more so than than when we really realize. Uh, And there's also just some cross-pollination going on with some of the startups, not just the startups getting from the bigger companies, but the startups giving to the bigger companies. Uh, And that's my transition point here, if if you don't mind, Peter, uh, to talk about Lucid.
1: Yeah, yeah, we could skip to lose it. I was just, just to follow on your point, uh, just real quick on on Lordstown. You know, GM actually is an investor in Lordstown, which is is odd that they're doing their own thing. You know, talk about you were talking about you know their technology reaching into other other areas, and then but Lordstown is sort of going their own path, and it's it kind of curious considering GM has so much money invested in them. Uh, mm-hmm. They even have a seat on the board, you know, so it's, it's interesting that they're going their own way. They're going to use hub motors. They're, you know, they're not using the GM Ultium batteries. They're going to use their own.
0: Yeah. That one surprises me that they wouldn't be using the Ultium drive unless it's not yeah. being offered. Maybe GM is, is uh, you know, still developing it for themselves uh, uh, at this point and wants to make the most of that before they begin selling it off to other other folks. Uh, you know, so that's a good example. But, you know, I mean, one of the things that happens with a lot of this technology is, is that you find we talk occasionally. You and I have talked about this and other people who might be heavily engaged in automotive uh, conversations that uh, uh, racing has a big part in, in a lot of what goes on with uh, these the development of some of these systems. Uh, you know, they're tested in a lot of different ways. They're tested on private tracks are, are tracks that were you know time is being purchased by manufacturers so they can do test driving, uh, but also just simply in straight out racing and uh, so I'm, I'm using it as, as I said a, a moment ago to kind of transition over to Lucid because one one of the inter- and the Lucid Air which we'll talk a little bit about. Uh, but uh, Lucid has been uh, has developed batteries that are in, in power supply systems that are being used in Formula E racing, which covers the whole international gamut of of uh, manufacturers. Uh, you know, you've got uh, companies, big companies uh, across the board. Uh, you've got Nissan from Japan. You've got Mahindra from from India. Um, you know, you've got Virgin, you've got, uh, who are all racing Jaguar. Uh, you know, uh, these are Audi, you know, these are all uh, Mercedes that are all in Formula E. And so these, uh, you know, the, the, but they're all using uh, technology that Lucid developed. And this is a company that most people don't even know about you know, at this point. You know, I mean, uh, I'm not, that's not a criticism of Lucid. They're a startup. They've got uh, just ready, set to to actually uh, start uh, delivering uh, their first vehicle, the Lucid Air, uh, this year. And uh, uh, they just went through a big merger with Churchill Capital. Uh, almost, it was almost twelve billion transaction, $11.75 five billion dollar trans, uh, transaction that they they proposed they proposed for this merger. So, you know, they're making big strides, uh, obviously, if this entire race series, which by the way, is this weekend, which maybe by the time a lot of people listen to this, uh, the two races that are coming up this weekend in Rome uh, on Formula E will have already taken place. But uh, nevertheless, uh, you get a chance to to watch Formula E racing. I think it's pretty exciting. And it takes place right in the center of some of the biggest cities in the world and uh, this weekend is is Rome.
1: Yeah, and, and I think you can probably find and rewatch them as well. I'm sure that they're online somewhere because they do have a YouTube page. That's uh, yeah.
0: You know, I did look at that. Uh, the interesting thing is is that the actual race uh, is available on um, CBS uh, on uh, CBS uh, Sports Network. And that's the actual race, which is takes place this weekend. anyways. So it's at Sat on Saturday at nine thirty in the morning. But if you look at the schedule, they've got two practice rounds and a qualifying round, which take place like in the AM hours, and those are available on CBS online. Uh, and the practice sessions are also available on YouTube, uh, as well as Facebook and on from the Formula E website. Uh, But, uh, you know, the actual race is uh, CBS is handling it this year. And so uh, uh, if you can get CBS Sports, uh, that's where you're going to be watching the races, the actual races. Later on, I suspect you can find highlights and things like that. Uh, But but one of the things we wanted to talk about, uh, I think, before we get too far along here, uh, is that uh, Nissan made a commitment to... Continue in in Formula E through uh, gen, generation three, and uh, I think that's an important kind of a commitment. Uh, you know, because the, you know racing is exciting, uh, and and you know it's very it's just extremely energetic. Uh, the Formula E races, I think, are developing a, a, actually a new young audience for racing, uh, different than. Uh, other races have uh, have been able to to do, uh, or at least a different audience, you know, that, than what you might find in other race series. Uh, so that's good because uh, you know here you've got uh, a race series that's devoted to electric vehicles and it's been developing over the last uh, seven seasons and uh, has uh, has changed quite a bit over those seven years as well. Interesting too the way the the, the formula races uh, develop. You know the the the, the vehicles themselves. Uh, you know, there's sort of a, a platform that they all have to maintain. You know, so that they're pretty much equally uh, comparable when they go out on the track. And so that, what it comes down to is really the drivers and the team and how they manage their power, how they manage all of the systems so that, uh, but there's an equality among the vehicles. Uh, They have certain formulas that they have to use to get to develop their vehicles uh, based on certain systems and and how they put them together, how they manage all of that is what makes the difference. Uh, uh, And of course, then there's always a little bit of luck that's involved. Uh, as with any kind of a race, um, but most of it comes down to some really good management, really good drivers, uh, and uh, there's uh, it's, it's quite a it's it's quite an exciting race to watch, I find. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it this weekend.
1: Uh, it's a doubleheader too, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Right, yeah, it's a doubleheader. Uh, I don't know if you've been to Rome or not. I've been there, spent uh, roughly a week there. Uh, in total, in, in, in Italy and, and uh, on either end of it, I spent uh, two days, three days, four days, I think it was, uh, in Rome itself. And uh, so I'd be kind of curious to see exactly where the race fits into the city that I saw, you know, what parts of the city I'm, I was familiar with. Uh, well, well, we'll be able to tell, I think, when, when we watch the race tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I gotta don't I gotta check the schedule. I don't know when. What is the nearest race to us? Probably probably New York again. I would imagine.
0: Yeah, the New York race, uh, which, as far as I know, is still on the schedule for this year. Uh, so yeah, that was that was pretty nice. Right in you know uh, in Brooklyn, uh, with the Statue of Liberty kind of off in the distance there, uh, over the water
1: yeah and uh it sort of ties into what we're talking about with lucid (laughs) the reason we're talking about lucid uh you know they're starting their expansion into new york um i think they're opening one or two studios i think one coming up but probably more in the future uh they're going to be opening in the the meatpacking district which i i believe is like uh but near soho right that 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 whole area hmm uh
0: well, I know that uh, the, the the facility is is kind of like under renovation uh, you know it's not like they're building a new building it's a building that they're uh, moving into and they're renovating it to, 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 for their purposes and uh, so yeah uh, he, he Peter Rollinson, the CEO uh, he put together a, a nice little video of him driving through the city. Uh, to you know, kind of do like a little test drive of, of Lucid, the Lucid Air showing up in the city, uh, but that's uh, now they've gotten they're really getting out there now. They've got I think at least four uh, four studios in California. They've opened two in in Florida, and uh, this is the first one uh, in, in the northeast area of the country. So, you know, they're really looking at areas of the country where population, density, as well as uh, income. Uh, the, the Lucid Air is a luxury vehicle, a mid-sized luxury vehicle, and it's a true luxury vehicle, not just a, uh, a spiffy-looking vehicle. Uh, starting price at, of $69,900 for the Air Pure, which is – that's the model, of the, Air, the Air Pure. Um and uh, that one will give you, well, less horsepower than the upper trims, but, but, but even at that, it's 480 horsepower. Uh, the, ra- the range on that one is 406 miles, but uh, the higher trims will give you uh, over 500 miles on a full charge, and uh, they can go from zero to 60 in under two and a half seconds so quite a performance car as well as being massively luxurious if you go through just some of the features i was just reading up a little bit on the new sound system they're putting a 21 speaker sound system uh, that uh, is using a, one of the new systems atmos the atmos system from dolby and uh what they've done is with some of the the electronics and sound reproduction is instead of just having like a, a, a say, a warning signal that your seatbelt is not buckled instead of it just coming out of the sound system it's very much directed to the exact seatbelt area of the car so your, your ear hears it from the area of the car where that seatbelt is not buckled uh, when you hit the turn signals they'll signal on you'll hear the sound of the of the turn signal on the side of the car where you're intending to go uh, uh, blind spot alerts you know they'll be Position to where the vehicle to to give you a sense of where that vehicle is in your oral spectrum, not, you know, the oral spectrum instead of just visual. Uh, so it's uh, it's amazing what the, the, this new system will do. So that's just one of the many things that you would be spending your seventy thousand plus dollars on if you buy this luxury car.
1: Well, you know, seventy thousand dollars, and I'm not you know, not to sound like you know that guy, but it really isn't that ridiculous for a premium car anymore i mean i just drove a you know i just drove a almost ninety thousand dollar dodge ram so nothing seems (laughs) nothing seems to shock me anymore (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah that's true. Uh you know it's was it wasn't it doesn't seem that long ago that $90,000 would have been for an exotic car. You Can know you what, what what's what's called an exotic car.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. But, well, uh, you know
0: we won't go there right now because we're pretty much at at the end of our our program here. But yeah, um in a certain kind of a way the 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 Dodge Ram that, uh, or the Ram you're talking about, uh, from Stellantis. Uh, we have to remember that that's Stellantis. Yeah, vehicle. I
1: don't, I, I don't put Stellantis on anything I write. <laughs> Just so you know. Just so yeah. you, know, you know. The, the you're, time, you're, the time
0: I, will come. The time will come, Peter. Uh, no, but that, uh, but, but uh, that, but that Ram TRX that you're talking about, I'm pretty sure because uh, that's what you were driving. Uh, yes th- it is pretty exotic in a, in its own way
1: <laughs> it is it is it's sort of the last hurrah of the v8 engine I guess till the next last hurrah of the v8 engine. Uh, well, but, we,
0: uh, we we won't be talking about that on EV Power Podcast. We're uh, on the wrong t-
1: podcast <laughs> to talk about a, this, a supercharged 6.2 liter that averaged about 13 yeah. miles per gallon. <laughs> uh, so,
0: yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. It's, it's sort of like yeah, uh, you won't find out in any of the EV cars we'll be talking about.
1: Yeah, well, you know, the, uh, soon enough, there'll be a, an electric Ram out there, I'm sure, uh, you know, an electric well, TRX. We'll see
0: one thing you can count on is that some of the more powerful electric vehicles will put the power of that vehicle to shame Uh, i think i think that i think that's what we can expect so if that's what you're into uh you know just keep keep an eye on on the future of ev
1: yeah and with that uh keep an eye on the future of our show we're gonna wrap it up uh so, uh, yeah, you can check us out at uh, rpmnewsweekly.com, and we're going to put up you know this show. and uh, Well, you probably have found the show on rpmnewsweekly.com, come to think of it. But uh, check the you know If you want to link to anything we've talked about, you'll see the links below. And, uh, yeah, Rich, I'll talk to you next time. Good to talk with you, Peter. All right. See you later. Take care. Thanks for joining us on the EV Power Podcast. If you'd like to hear more automotive news that goes behind the headlines, check out our other podcast, RPM News Weekly, or visit us at rpmnewsweekly.com.